Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and I reckon we're up to episode 173, where I had a conversation with Tim Bat. He is a comedian, uh, he's a podcaster, um, and he had a really good idea when he came up with an idea with fellow comedian Guy Montgomery to create a podcast called The Worst Idea of All Time. Um, about five seasons or so into this now, but I, I, I remember loving that first season because it, it, it um, got you know it got a viral hit. It became a viral hit, and it was news everywhere. And that's what introduced me to the podcast. But I thought it was a great concept. They they watched the Adam Sandler film Grown Ups Two once a week and essentially reviewed it or performed a live podcast version of a of a DVD director's commentary styled talking through the film. And so, yeah, they did that for 52 weeks. They ended up um, going to America to do a season finale and and then it carried on from there. And uh, I was always interested in talking to Tim about that. We, we connected a couple of years ago um, to have a conversation that didn't quite pan out. So when he was in town recently with his uh, comedy festival show, um, which was funny, and we talk a little bit about that, um, yeah, that, that provided the opportunity to finally catch up and have a chat to him. I've been I've sort of followed a lot of his work and been interested in what he's doing. So that's what we did. We talked through his his career in comedy, his upbringing, his influences, and um, and then the idea for the podcast and his radio training and all of the things that made him perfect for doing that, and um, and where he's gone with that and how that podcast and other podcasts that he's done have have continued and uh, we we have a bit of a chat about um, comedy reviewing and criticism and 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 um, how he feels about that and how I feel about that and uh, yeah so I enjoyed this conversation because as I said we've we have corresponded a, a few times over the years but this was our first meeting and um, I, I like talking to other people who do podcasts on my podcast and Tim Bat is I would say easily the most experienced and widely listened to New Zealand podcaster that I have spoken to at least um, so it was fun to fun to meet and um, I enjoyed this chat and thanks as always to um, Tea Leaf Tea and La Petit Chocolat and Yeasty Boys and I hope you enjoy this too this is me talking with uh, podcaster and comedian Tim Bat. You're probably one of the most experienced podcasters I will have talked to as both a host and a guest. I reckon that's true, and a producer, to and, be honest. That, yeah, well, that's well. what I meant, yeah. as an all-round, and as a listener. Do you devour them, or um, not really? I do listen to a lot of podcasts, but, um, a lot. well, this is getting less true over time, but the podcasts I used to listen yeah. to were news yeah. shows from America. I'm kind of obsessed with American politics, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I listen to the Rachel Maddow show, like, uh, most yeah. days. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, and so in your earliest days of producing and, and being on podcasts, I, I, yeah, I guess you're devouring more of them and then that's ended up taking up more of your time. Yeah. That's why you Now we've just got to figure out how to get money out. <laughs> well, I don't have the answer. I don't know. <laughs> None I, did, of us I, 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 I invited you around because I thought you might know. Sorry. Um, was in, in the interview there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is what you should call it. Um, I've, we've only just met. We've had a bit yeah. of a chat um, before we started recording, but I guess we've exchanged a little bit of uh, correspondence over the socials. Mm. Um, I know a little bit about you. You know a little bit about me. We sort of do similar things in some ways. Yeah. Um, but I want to know a bit more about it. So you grew up in Wellington. You're a Wellington... Yeah, girl. I was born and raised in Christchurch, mm. um, and then we moved, my family did, I'm one of four kids, we mm. all moved when I was 11 mm. to Wally, so I did all my high schooling here. Yeah. So I've done 10 years in Christchurch, 10 years in Wellington, 10 years in Auckland right, now. So right. I'm, I'm Dunedin's next, or... Melbourne, no, hopefully. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've sort of clocked New Zealand. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go up, um, up not down, down. If, if possible, in all respects. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think Auckland's probably my home from now on. But yeah, yeah. I went to, I'm an Onslow College boy. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. And um, so Johnsonville based. Yeah. 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 And there's a bit in the comedy yes. show that I'm doing yeah, at the moment, yeah. which you've just seen about Which I that. have seen, which was good. So Jayville, what was happening? I'm just trying to work out what whether I was in Wellington when you were in Jayville. So, do you want years? Yeah. So, this would be, well, my last year of high school was 2005. Yeah, That was my seventh formal year. Was it 13, I think? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Mm. Uh, I was knocking around. I worked at the Jayville McDonald's at school. Then I was at the Starbucks that's inside the supermarket. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Before that, I was at Kandala New World. Yeah. You know, done it all. Now that I've got a kid, I have more to do with Johnsonville 
now than I ever have. My kid yeah. goes to, used to go to swimming lessons out there for a time. Now he does dance classes out there. So I'm just getting to know all the Javel well, historic landmarks. So Javel to me has always <laughs> been like it's it's kind of peak suburbia. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And. Um, I've kind of been watching from afar, so I might not have the best read on this, mm, but mm. particularly the news about the mall just kind of dying yeah, a slow yeah. death. And <laughs> the council or something keeps promising to throw mm. money at it, and it doesn't happen, and more shops close and stuff. It just seems to be a um, like a metaphor for the area it's, at large, but maybe I'm reading too no, much. No, no, no. It's like, I mean, when I moved, I moved to Wellington in 95, so I must have gone out there once or twice in the 90s, early 2000s. But now I go out there quite often in the weekends. What's and the vibe? I quite like it, but yeah. only but in a time capsule kind of, it's this weird yeah. sort of little bubble. It just exists. I feel like it's been like that forever. Totally. And um, I'm just sort of learning that now. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite fascinating. It's an it's, interesting spot for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Very different to like even, I don't know, kind of Nio and mm. surrounding suburbs mm. around are a little bit different. But <laughs> So what, what were you doing at school and what did you want to do? I was like a drama geek, yeah. I think, would be a fair mm. um, stereotype to lump on me. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed doing doing drama. Um, what did I want to do? I... I, I wanted to be a journalist for a long time, mm. and I still have an incredible amount of respect for journalists and journalism, and um, I loved writing, um, and I always kind of liked performing. There was a program called Class Comedians, oh, mm. well, actually it still runs now, but um, I did it when I was in my last year of high school, and it was just, I, I can't even remember exactly, I think it was like a couple of weeks long maybe, mm. and it was like... Um, Jan Marie, who some people might remember, she was yep. a fantastic comedian, and like Ben Hurley and a few yep. of their contemporaries went around high schools um, with some funding from the uh, uh, the Comedy Festival Trust, mm-hmm. basically, which I'm a, now a board member of, as mm. of quite recently. Mm. Um, and they would get kids who showed some aptitude or, or desire to, you know, get into performing mm. arts or stand up, and they give you a little boot camp course, and then you did your first stand up set, mm. and that kicked it all off. When I was about 18, I think. Were you interested in comedy at all as a, like, were you... Yeah, but I liked really weird shit. You grew up looking at stuff? So my my sense of humour is, like, my big touchstone comedically was Adult Swim, the network. And so when I was a teenager, I I mean, that was coming up in real time as I was, like, 15. Yeah. so if, if, for those who don't know what Adult Swim is, it's now like a fully fleshed out network which has done really well over time. Mm. But it's got this amazing origin story. Um, so it, it grew out of Cartoon Network and Ted Turner, who owned Cartoon mm. Network, um, basically bought up really cheaply a whole bunch of Hanna-Barbera cartoons, the, those old yeah. kind of 80s yeah. snagglepuss and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, there was a bunch of animators who were there at um, at the Cartoon Network, and they found these cell animations and little properties um, for Space Ghost, which was this very middle of the road, mm. stupid, cheesy superhero cartoon series from the seventies, mm. which I think was somewhat successful, but just kind of dumb. Yeah, they came up with the idea to refashion him into a talk show host, and so they got little snippets of animation and and. Um, teamed him up with his two arch nemeses, mm. Moltar and Zorax. Zorax's mm. a big human-sized mantis and plays his band, his sort of Paul Schaefer to his yeah, David Letterman. Yeah. And Moltar is his director in a separate room pressing levers. And the show is just stoner <laughs> fodder. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. for stone teenagers and stuff. And I fucking loved it. Yeah. It was so weird, so different to anything on. And they would get real-life celebrities, and huge names have been on the show, mm. but it was in the 90s. It was kind mm. of, you know, <laughs> different people you'd Yeah, expect. yeah. Carrot Top, you know. Yeah. Um, there's one with Conan, uh, Conan O'Brien. There's one with Tom York from Radiohead. Mm. Bjork's on that one as well. They would interview the celebrities um, in real life and film it and then intersplice the footage and rewrite the questions, yeah, yeah, yeah. take them out of context. 
and they're just fucked. And I loved it. Yeah. It was so good. And that birthed a whole series of other shows off Dr. the back Katz of it. Dr. Katz was around Absolutely. that time. Were you into that? I loved that. Loved Dr. Katz. That Similar was... sort of thing in the, in the comedians basically doing their routines, Big being time. animated, just getting to kind of riff. That show was fucking groundbreaking because, yeah. yeah, as you say, that was yeah. it was a lot of improv in there. Yeah. And it was just comics who were bopping around. Yeah. I think New York it was yeah. made. Yeah. That was H. John Benjamin's first big break yeah, as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People now know he's the voice of Archer and Bob from Bob's Burgers. Mm, and mm. Yeah, but all of that and stuff. And did that amazing, did you hear his um, piano album? The, oh, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, Jazz I, Dear Devil. <laughs> oh, play. there was another one. Yeah, but he just H. did John Benjamin can't play piano. Yeah, that's, it, that's yeah. it. I think he subtitles himself Jazz Dear Devil. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Hired, like, yeah. high-calibre session music. Yeah, yeah, and he, he had about three piano lessons in his life. <laughs> It's great because you, I, I every now and then I send it to people. I get people go, oh, got any tips for any good new jazz or what are you listening to at the moment? I'll send them a clip of that. Yeah. And it takes a while before you know, like they it starts it. off with the rhythm section. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, yeah, this is pretty good. Yeah. And then you hear the notes and you hear this Absolute guy just nonsense. basically falling about drunk on the piano. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. So yeah, he's funny. a real big deal, but Thank he was you. a total support player and and dr katz he was yeah. just he was the son wasn't he that's right yeah I'm, I'm trying to remember his oh uh yeah fuck i can't remember his yeah. name ben? ben sarah silverman's sister was the rece- laura was the receptionist ah, there you go yeah didn't know that yeah yeah there'd be was. a lot of really famous people i think who you would now be yeah to... well and there was like mark maron was on an episode yeah. and it's like i would i would have yeah i would have watched that and gone at the time, no idea who that was, yeah. you know, but you knew the, the bigger name comics that were on there. Yeah. Then you go back and see the people that like Louis C.K. and that, that were all made after that show. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's amazing. So, and there's so many products like that that almost like barely see the light of day, mm. but they, yeah, you just, you, you go back after the fact and you're like, oh shit, all of those people are super famous yeah. now. What a crazy yeah. point in time. And that was to well, be- even Family Guy, like when it yeah. first, you know, like I remember watching it when it was on network television and it survived a couple of seasons and then got cancelled. Well, Adult Swim helped with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adult and Swim then it, saved it. Yeah, and then it, and then it became like, for a time, basically the biggest selling yeah. DVD box set Absolutely. of all time. It's and juggernaut. Yeah. That kind of, that phenomenon of a whole lot of incredibly talented people mm. being in the same place at the same time is sort of why I started the my podcast network as well. Yeah. Because I was just like looking around my mates and I was mm. like, all of these people are superstars in the making. Yeah. Like, why don't I try and put myself in the middle of them mm. um, to solve the technology bit? Because yeah. all of them are super funny and smart, but not all of them are geeks like yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so well, let's jump to that. So you, so you get interested in comedy. You have this background of watching these stoner, yeah. you know, weird things, late night TV stuff that you like. Um, you get encouraged through the school, through that, comedy thing what do you go and do with that um nothing, nothing. at the, at the <laughs> yeah. time yeah, yeah no nothing i worked for inland revenue when i left right. high school yeah i was going to go to university um after sixth form mm. and uh my parents really wanted me to do seventh form so i did and then i was just so fucking bored <laughs> by the end of it i was like i'm not doing any more learning i'm gonna go mm. make some money and get drunk for a couple of years yeah <laughs> so work for the tax department um then i moved to Sydney for six months and worked at another call centre for Telstra, came back and went to the radio school. Mm. And that was the start of doing a job that I actually enjoyed, mm. like having a career in sort of entertainment and that yeah. sort of thing. So what, what, what do you go and do with that production stuff um, afterwards? So there's a couple of ways to do radio in New Zealand. I did the six-month course mm. here in Wellington um, because I am – Afraid of commitment, I guess. <laughs> well, it's just like if you're going to do radio, you yeah. don't want to do a three or four year degree in that. It yeah. seems crazy. Yeah. But some people do. Mm. If you want to be a program director, like a station mm-hmm. boss, you go to Christchurch and do the proper one. Um, but I was like, no, I don't, I don't even know if I want to do it. For yeah, sure. yeah. I did it. I got Give me the Cliff's notes. What's that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll learn it while yeah. I'm in there. Yeah. And, and you do. Yeah. That's how that jobs, those jobs work. Um, I got really lucky. Fresh out of there, I, I managed to work with Kevin Black, who mm. was like this legendary yeah. broadcaster yeah. in the 80s and 90s. And I yeah. worked on, I was his producer on his breakfast show for his last sort of yeah, last run of run. his career. And then we all got made redundant because of the GFC at the end yeah. of that year. Um, and then a few years after that, he passed away, sadly. Yeah. 
um, and I bounced around. I, I worked um, at an independent station here called X105, which mm-hmm. was very briefly lived, like yeah. a top 40 pop station. Um, then I went back up to Auckland to work at Radio Hauraki um, with Matt Heath mm-hmm. for like three years, I think. Yeah. And then bailed and was like, I want to try and do my own thing and do comedy myself. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do? What? What? How do you? How what do you do that? Fucking good question. <laughs> um, how does that? Well, it started off very stand-up heavy, mm. and then I got more into podcasty stuff. Um, the worst idea of all time. Mm. Well, that's how a lot of people. That that, I mean, that's how I got to know who you were, and I imagine that's how a lot of people have got to know who you were because the worst idea of all time turned out to be a pretty good idea. It's yeah. New Zealand's what most listened to, most downloaded podcast. I think that's true, probably. But I don't know how to prove it. <laughs> no, but it's uh, well, it's. I don't know for sure. I would think that it's the um, one that's had the greatest success in terms of. The, I guess the leverage that you guys have been able to build from that. That's true, yeah. And the magnitude of it in terms of it getting written up overseas. You, yeah, it's done well actually, internationally. Yeah, you actually, in you actually travel as a result of the... Yeah. How does the show... How do you come up with the, uh, that idea and, and the movie? So I remember, you know, I didn't discover it anytime soon. I would have discovered it... Uh, along with a whole lot of other people people when it started getting written about. But yeah. I remember just devouring it the first season. Oh, you know, just nice. just going through it. At, I'm going to be really rude yeah, to go my for phone, it. by yeah, the way, just because I've I'll, got I'll, people I'll, demanding to yeah, know who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets something um, too important. Uh, I remember it arrived at a good time for me. I was on holiday, so I just was, you know, going for walks and just binging this thing oh, and thinking awesome. it was great because... But, you, you know, I don't know if you've heard this or thought about this from, you know, and or talked about it with other people, but there was something, I think, about that first season, about the, the movie that you chose. Yeah. So you chose Grown Ups 2 yeah. by Adam Sandler. And the concept of the podcast, for anyone that's listening to this that hasn't read about The Worst Idea, was you guys, you and one other guy... Guy Montgomery. Called Guy. Yeah, who's also a comedian. Yeah. And you guys didn't know each other that well. You did. No. You did. You knew of each other. But we we had worked together yeah. on his TV show, mm. and then that whole station got the plug pulled on mm-hmm. it by TVNZ. So you come up with the idea to sit and watch the same movie once a week. Yeah. Well, I, I had wanted to do a podcast for a while. Yeah. Um, and had actually like had a couple of very casual runs at it to try and figure out what sort of format or something I could some kind of show I could do mm. and then yeah I don't know I, 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 Guy and I I remember the day when we decided to do because we're going it. back like five years or so yeah, yeah it would be yeah five years yeah. Um, Guy came in I was doing a weekend show on Radio Hauraki Guy came in to promote his upcoming comedy fest show I think yeah. just have a chat with me and um, as we were walking out to grab a beer, we were like, hey, we should do a po- like, yeah, podcast. Yeah. are easy. We should do yeah. one of those. What should the format be? I don't know. Movie review's good, but like everyone does it, so what's mm. that twist on it? We'll just keep reviewing the same movie as long as we physically can. Yeah. We're like, what movie should we do? Uh, oh, I don't know. I've heard Grown Ups has this all-star comedian cast, but it sucks. Mm. And then Guy was like, you know what's even funnier than that? We'll do the sequel, but we won't watch the first one. Yeah, yeah. I was like, brilliant. And yeah. then I said, we'll come over tomorrow and we'll do the first step. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because if we don't do it tomorrow, we won't do it. <laughs> yeah. So we just... Yeah, any it. more thinking. Exactly. And we'll start working out what could be dumb about exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let's just and dive in. has been the universal <laughs> approach for the five years. Yeah. It's just so, on the fly, think of something and do it. But there's, there was something, I think, very <clears throat> zeitgeisty about Grown Ups 2 at that time. And that, you know, I mean, I identified with it in the sense that it made me go, shit, I grew up watching all these Adam Sandler films. He's now, at that point, five years ago, mm. he's now made more shit films than good films. Not yeah. only that, he's made more films I haven't seen than films I have seen. Yeah. And so I got very invested in it from that point of view to the to the point that I actually went in, and I'm sure you've got all sorts of different stories from people that did watch the film and didn't. Um, I did a double feature of Grown Ups One and Two in the same night <laughs> for myself. Um, I think I think maybe about forty episodes or so. Into, you know, I couldn't wait till the end. That's I just so I did do it, and I and I enjoyed them both. Yeah. In the way that you guys had set it up for me, I guess. 
you know. But it was, and I don't know that I've seen anything else of Adam Sandler <laughs> since it. But um, yeah, it's come I mean, right in some ways. Yes, though. he's put out yes, a couple of things. I yes. still haven't seen The Cobbler. I need to see that. Yeah, I want to see. I, I, I mean, part of me wants to actually watch all of the bad yeah. because you know there is something fascinating about his level of success versus the what i don't know the the the, the strong ideas <laughs> in his you thing you know a, well, well i mean we I, would frame it as the quality is not very good but they're still making but yeah, lots of money but yeah. the quality isn't very good to whom yeah, to yeah, us yeah but we are maybe demonstrably wrong because mm. the guy is still making a boatload of money that's it i mean films. he's the he's the first guy signed to a massive netflix deal you know yeah. like he, he sort of sets, deal or something. Sort of sets that up for mm. other for netflix and for other people yeah and because they know and you know i guess it, well it's a bit that he appeals to the things we were talking about like adult swim and family got you know there is that stoner yeah, dropout comedy little, aspect to but, his but maybe bit. for older people now <laughs> I don't yeah. know you know my age and older I don't know what it is but well that being said though did you see his special that he put I, out this year yeah most of it I haven't watched it all yet so I thought that was incredible yeah and it proved to everyone it was like no the guy still knows yeah. what's funny yeah. and can still be sensational yeah like that I really rate that special I yeah. think it's fantastic yeah, I must finish watching it. I thought it was pretty good. So I yeah. think he knows what he's doing. I think he's just a smart businessman. Yeah, I think to so honest. too. I mean, I was my favourite thing I think I've ever seen him do was um, go on to like Nickelodeon or Kids Choice Awards or something a decade or more ago, and he was asked to give like a keynote speech, and he goes on and says, "Kids, work hard, stay in school, do what your teachers and your parents, you know, say, get a good job," or drop out and smoke heaps of weed because I did that and I'm a billionaire and then he walked off st- <laughs> and that was it and I was just like that was my indication like he's still got it like yeah. he, he he can still be funny he knows what's funny he yeah. knows he knows what he's doing he always and has. then he probably put out like Jack and Jill or something you know a totally. week later and it's like and that's still which, I, him a bite of which I didn't see but I presume is terrible Jack for, and Jill is a unique kind of bear yeah that yeah. movie's crazy but he was so funny from such an early age, and he was so obsessed yeah. with. Yeah, he's. I feel like he's really relaxed in his old age, which is hopefully what happens when you're very successful for a long time. Mm, you finally mm. get security that you know how to be mm, funny. Mm. Um, I hope to one day achieve that. I heard him talking on Conan O'Brien's podcast recently, and he was very funny on that. Yeah, of know? course, and he's a super funny dude. Yeah. And like, if you look at his work on Saturday Night Live, mm. oh, it's legendary. It's so, you guys watch this crazy film. Over yeah. and over, you don't and you don't watch the original film. Yeah. At what point do you watch the original film? Uh, we did it when you we did it right near the end of the, the podcast. Yeah, didn't you? we did it at the end of the season. We were in New York City and we did a live show afterwards, which was very bleak. Mm. And we did it at um, Upright Citizens Brigade, and it was uh, smatteringly attended mm. the live event. <laughs> okay. But it, we were just so washed out because we yeah. had done this huge big event for the last... Mm. Oh no, maybe it was in LA actually. Huge big event for the last Grown Ups 2 mm. thing and it was massive, it was packed out, everyone was so excited and then we decided kind of last minute to watch Grown Ups 1 yeah. and put a live show on for that and we were so hung over and tired mm. and just low energy and like over it that we were like, I don't know, this movie sucks. Well, you, you, <laughs> I mean, you've probably talked about this a bit but but take me through the genesis of, I guess, the viral hit status of that first season oh, of the podcast. Yeah. It's so, actually quite easy to explain. Yeah. So, because um, obviously you don't become massive as soon as you guys do it. Well, no, not as soon as we. But we, yeah, it's funny. It's all based on luck, isn't it? So much of it's based on luck. Like it genuinely was a good, funny idea. It's mm. a good, funny format and, and a great film choice obviously yeah but lots lots of things are good ideas mm. lots of things are great mm. ideas executed well and don't go anywhere the thing with uh, what happened with us is um there's the kind of original bad movie review podcast is called how did this get made mm-hmm. with paul Shear yeah, and jason yeah, menzikas yeah. and uh, june diane rayfield yeah. and which is great it's fantastic yeah it's really great and um so they do like mini in between episodes in between the mm-hmm. main eps um, where they do sort of add mini stuff and read feedback and that kind of thing and Paul Shear read out loud from their forums on Airwolf that someone had heard about these two crazy <laughs> they thought we were Australian these two yeah. weird Aussie dudes who were watching Grown Ups 2 over and over again right yeah yeah um, and so after that mere 
10 second mention mm. like you know our numbers just went like that yeah. and then off the back of that we got an interview on vice.com mm-hmm. which was on like the big international facing yeah. bit of the website yeah. and then that just shot us up and everything yeah. that we have gained from the podcast it's on the back you can track to those two single yeah. events yeah 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 that was literally it and not every podcaster but a lot of podcasters are looking for that sort of thing and, yeah. you, and you can't go looking for that sort of thing you, you no know, you it go, just, it's like anything in the arts it happens. you got to you ride it right and ride it if that happens like yeah. you know go with it obviously yeah. but you can't strategize no. for a viral hit you just have to keep throwing well, i mean <laughs> yeah I've tried to do a lot of projects that haven't taken <laughs> off. There's been a, 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 we've had like I've had one, you know, good professional success and a ton of professional failures. But that's just how it works. You got to keep chucking seeds yeah. out there, yeah, and hope that one of them takes. So, I mean, the great thing about the that podcast, like, you know, I guess like anything um, that really takes on on that, you know, it becomes about your relationship with Guy. It becomes about the the madness that you guys are putting yourselves through, and then it becomes about all sorts of crazy segues and links that are nothing to do with Adam Sandler or the film. Mm. But then you also bring in loads of that the whole time. You start exploring, because, as you say, it's got a stacked cast. It's got yeah. Chris Rock and uh, Kevin Steve Buscemi and, yeah, Kevin, um, what's his name? Yeah, King Paul Blart. God, it's been <laughs> yeah, a while. Paul Blart. It has been a while. <laughs> yeah, and... and Selma Hayek. Yep. Yeah. Um, Sandler's wife in yeah, the piece. Yeah. Um, Maya Rudolph. Yeah. Um, David Spade. Just a whole lot of SNL alumni, basically, yeah. and their and their friends. No Rob Schneider. No. Was in the first one. Yes. I think yes. they had a falling out. Yeah. I interviewed Rob Schneider, and he he said, um, I think it's his line. He talks about living in the house that Sandler built. Like, you know, like he's, he's quite kind of open. A psycho Rob yeah, Schneider. Yeah. I interviewed him once as well. Yeah. And he's very like spiritual, but he's. He's a bit of a dummy, eh? Mm, that was my impression. It was just a phone interview. That was my dude. impression. Really yeah, strange guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was entirely my impression. Um, so yeah, so this momentum builds. So what? Next thing you end up in America to do the final episode or two of it. So you, what do you do? You guys we got an invite from some lovely people. One guy in particular um, from a cinema, which sadly doesn't exist anymore um but i guess kind of for the right reasons it was a bit of a me too moment situation where there was some horrible allegations of stuff that happened with some of the managing staff there particularly to um younger women who were working and interning there um uh called the sinner family in los angeles and it was a um a a theater with a really storied history and really fucking passionate people about Mm. film Mm. um that just uh, collapsed um and probably rightly so under these these mm-hmm. horrible things that it looked like had definitely happened. Um, but at any rate, bef- this but is that's years, all past the, 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 your experience. Is, yes, yeah. yeah. So so years before that happened, yeah. um, uh, we we got invited over by a really lovely dude called Brett um, who uh, was not implicated in any mm-hmm. of that stuff, and he was like, "Hey, I listened to your podcast. I think it's fantastic. We want to come and host you." Mm. And we were like, that's awesome. So they, they brought us in and, and put it on. Beautiful theatre. We all did a big mass screening mm. of Grown Ups 2 on the sold-out cinema and did live the last episode live mm. with this crowd. And it was just magic. Mm. We also did this thing where Guy and I decided to write the script of Grown Ups 2 by memory after <laughs> the 50th right. yeah, watch. Yeah. And we put it on in Auckland as a live stage read with like... Die Hemwood, yeah. Rose Metafeo, a whole bunch of our comedian mates and Guy and I reading because there's so many characters mm. <laughs> so we had like yeah, 10 yeah, people yeah. on stage mm. and then we got we, we cleaned that script up a little bit because when we did it in Auckland it took about three and a half hours to get through <laughs> we did it in Los Angeles with through these amazing, the work juice players who are these yeah. amazing improv guys, Ben mm. Acker um, and Ben Blacker teed this up for us but Ben Acker has, has remained a, a cool friend in, mm. in LA and he was like, hey, um, do you want to do anything, you know, with us? And we're like, we've got this dumb script. And he's like, we'll put it on. We'll do it right. in LA. 
it was like Melanie Linsky did it. Yeah. Busy Phillips played Adam wow. Sandler. <laughs> it was fucking wow. wild. Yeah. It was crazy yeah. good fun. And through those connections, that's how we met like Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, who like, you're still working with. Sort of, <laughs> yeah. Kind of, in a way. In a way. It, yeah. He did me a real solid by yeah. voicing yeah. Um, the couch in my comedy festival show, yeah. Space Couch. So yeah. it's just incredible how all of these things. You, when these opportunities come, you gotta like try and seize them yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Make something of it. Yeah, and Paul F. Tompkins has done many things, but uh, if people don't know him, they know, might know him from Bojack Horseman, which yeah. which is the latest in that lineage of you know animated comedy stuff we were talking about in Absolutely. a way, isn't it? So it's yeah. all part of the yeah. same sort of a yeah. trajectory in a way. Now, yeah. at what point in this are you and Guy? secretly whispering to it yourselves when you're not recording yourselves we've hit the jackpot you know i don't know fuck. you don't want to jinx it eh no but you must have been having some you're just going for the ride yeah but you're also must be going fuck we've we're about to hit a money pot through this or, oh, or no. we're about to yeah yeah we, get some deal or we're about to I solidify don't, i don't think we ever kind of looked at it in those mm. terms we were like this is amazing that people are listening. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. I don't think we will look at. I we, get the impression listening any... to it, you guys would have just done it for the season. Absolutely. Would, that's what comes across is that you, you know you just would have done it anyway if ten people were listening to it. I actually don't think it would have worked if we were doing it for a different reason. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it'd be it'd have a different feel if we were chasing popularity mm. or, or money or something. It'd mm. be a yeah, it'd be a different vibe. Your gorgeous wee doggies. He's a bit of a, he's a bit of a recurring podcast cameo. He's so cool because I've got dude. a very similar pup. Yeah, that I've got recently. So it's all good. Yeah. So, so you didn't. You can honestly say you weren't at any point going, man. We've, you know. Well, I. I but mean, at the same time, you're going. You're obviously going. How, we, how do we capitalize on this? Like, how do a we, little bit? But it was yeah. more from a professional point of view. It was kind of going like, fuck. Now we're hanging out with these amazing cops, yeah. and we just wanted to sort of make the connections yeah. in LA. Not from a nefarious not mm, nefarious mm, but not from mm. kind of a like money grabbing point mm, of view or something mm. but just like how cool would it be that we get to hang out yeah. with these and have a coffee with Busy yeah. well, Phillips I'm, or whatever I'm you know? guessing that like one of the reasons you wanted to do the podcast like you want to do it because you've got time and because it's a funny idea but also essentially it's a, and this is happening a lot isn't it with comedy podcasts it's a business card for what you do you, yeah, people definitely. involved in comedy do, yeah. do podcasts and it's a way of we were doing it I think before that was we certainly didn't know that and yeah. we didn't set out to use it that way but then absolutely that, that has happened yeah. yeah and we had even in the first season lots of our friends and um, yeah. international comedians James Acaster is yes. the first season yeah. you know yeah um, um, yeah, loads of people. So that's been cool as well to use it to connect with other comedians yeah. and just people who we really love and mm. whose work we really love. Mm. That's that's the main awesome thing about yeah. it. Yeah. So were you straight? I mean, you, how shattered are you at the end of that first season? It comes across in some of the recordings <laughs> that you guys are not struggling, and and obviously there'd be certain times when you're like, because you, did you always pretty much do it on a Monday morning or something like that? Was that the or during the week one day? Yeah, was it, it was pretty. pretty yeah, regular? I think it was pretty regular back yeah. then. Um, we had to, and we do. It's even worse now, but we just had to fit it in somewhere yeah. around yeah. us living our lives. Yeah. So yeah. it moved around a little bit, but it was pretty regular. So when do you go, we've got to do this again, we've got to do a second season, or was it, was there a, a, a big conversation around? Nah, there's never a big conversation around anything <laughs> to do with the worst idea. We were like, I think, I can't remember if we took a break after the first season. Maybe we didn't. I feel like the second oh, season Oh, no, I know quite, what happened. Quite quickly. I know what happened, that's right. Mm. So we were in LA... And we were about, we were like, you know, a day away from doing the final episode live on stage. And I was editing up a little video to kind of say thank you to the fans. Mm. And it had photos because we'd take a selfie every episode. Yeah, yeah. And so it was a collection of those set to kind of Coldplay-esque music. Yeah. And just our stats of downloads over yeah. time. So people yeah. could see the trajectory and little yeah. cuts of audio from each year. Yeah. Um, at the end, 
we had the reveal That's that we right. were doing a second season. And what it was. And so the way that we decided to do Sex in the City 2 yeah. was I put a bunch of different movie posters in as the final frame and just wanted to see what would be the funniest reveal. Yeah. And Carrie Bradshaw in that ridiculous dress walking across <laughs> the desert with Sex yeah. in the City 2 was just like, I just instantly cracked up. I was like, that's going to be our second season. He's mm. like, all right. <laughs> and... This it's that it's a similar concept in that it's the sequel to a film. Presumably, you haven't seen the original. Correct. Um, I don't think I made it all the way through that season, but it got fucking I, dark. It got I got that feeling, yeah, <laughs> and that must have been a real ordeal because you're yeah. talking about a. Uh, I, I have not seen that film. Yeah, and I haven't seen the it's original very, film, it's very and, but long, it was very long, bad. right? Two and a half hours, basically. That's right. Yeah, and so you do make it through. It was not pretty. <laughs> it really wasn't. That w- nothing has topped how bad we felt doing that season. Mm. Yeah, it's just a crazy, useless, yeah, waste of time. That yeah. film, and it doesn't have the. I guess it doesn't have the. It has a different style of non sequitur about it. Like there's, mm. you know, Grown Ups Two has these crazy scenes that don't go anywhere. But they're big. But they're yeah, they're big and they're broad and they're, fun- they're, they're funny, it, in inverted commas, you yeah. know, like, even if you don't think they're funny. It, they're at least fun. Yeah, they're, they're and, the they're, and they're posing as funny, whereas yeah. Sex in the City has a different style of humour about it. Yeah. From what I understand it, particularly the movies. Yeah. More so than the TV show. I don't know how to describe it. Well, <laughs> it's also, like, deeply unfair. I mean, it, 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 we've always made this very abundantly clear in the podcast, mm, but, mm. like, you shouldn't take our review of the film. <laughs> I mean, the, I, the irony is, despite the fact that we're reviewing it mm. 52 times, yeah. we're the kind of least qualified people to give you a good <laughs> gauge on whether the film's yeah. any good because yeah. we've lost touch with reality yeah. <laughs> and with the film, Yeah, you know? And so the third season is... Um, we Are Your Friends. We Are Your Friends, which I, I have seen that film. What did you think of I, it as I'm, a music reviewer? Well, I'm, this, this is it. I kind of am drawn to those films. Yeah. I, I have to watch, particularly, yeah, fictional films that have music as a reference point in them. I just want to see how it's portrayed. And, yeah. And they are almost always ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that one... I, I seem to recall watching that, like, you know, hungover on New Year's Day. It seemed like the perfect... That would definitely be the right time zone. to watch that. Yeah. And, um, and I think I watched it, you know, before I knew you were doing the podcast of it. But, um, yeah, I, I don't have too much memory of it beyond just thinking it's it pretty bad. forgettable to yeah, be honest yeah. and yeah they've in some ways made it less fi- it's, it's funny because yeah. each of the seasons of worst idea have been bad in their own in way that, in, in a sense with with regard to you know I think like as I say Grown Ups 2 not only does it have the whole Sandler yeah. commentary around you know is this guy funny anymore what's he fucking doing and yeah. are all his films a tax dodge whatever yeah, yeah. there's just it's such a stacked cast that you were able to go off down conversational alleyways about yeah. you know let's talk about Steve Buscemi for a while yeah. like, and because he's a serious actor that also does this goof off show yeah 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 and you you wouldn't get those opportunities with some of the other well we are th- but I like that because we yeah. are we are your friends we've selected purely to lash out at people who, uh, right. listeners of ours who were like oh I see what you guys are doing you do yeah. bad sequels we're yeah. like fuck you you don't right. know what the we're rules gonna, are because yeah, we yeah. don't know what the rules yeah, are so yeah, we right. just threw that in the mix yeah. and that that movie was hard for a different reason in that it was it's not like a terrible terrible film mm. but that makes it harder in some mm. ways because it's less interesting because of its mm. true mediocrity because yeah. it's like it's being a bit ambitious, it's trying to go a little bit art house in its presentation. Yeah. Um, it fails, no doubt about it. <laughs> but like, at least they were but trying the ridiculous to do thing something. Is I will probably watch it again now. Like, I, you know, I will probably go. It's, I need to see that again. There's definitely worse. There's worse movies out there. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh yeah, and there's something about, and I guess this is a big, been a big thing about. Um, your your fan base or, or the audience for these podcasts is there is something about investing in a bad movie and I, I guess prosaically speaking finding the good in it you know finding some aspect that you, you know something that's so bad it's good yeah is, is the classic way of explaining it we have to do that every episode and you have to do that every yeah the shining light that's right yeah yeah. <laughs> Which we've sort of abandoned rest episodes a little bit. Um, yeah, and I think 
there is kind of a wider point to be made with that. It is about mm. saying mm. that even in something, like nothing is black and white. Things mm. are complicated. Movies are big and they've got a lot of moving parts. There's got to be something you like in it, even mm. if you think predominantly it doesn't work as a product. I think there's takeaways for, for life at large in that approach. I guess, have you thought about taking it out away from movies to some other cultural phenomenon? Um, not at length, because we don't plan anything. Yeah. I mean, I get, <laughs> I get, I get why the movie thing works, because you guys actually sit and watch. Yeah. the mo- It's like um, the DVD director's commentary when that burst onto the scene. It's yeah. kind of like a riff on that as well, right? Yeah, like, definitely. But, and I guess it wouldn't work to sit and listen to an album or to, you know, revisit the same book or something. I just wondered if that was anything you'd ever, you know, thought. Do we take it there? I just don't I guess think it would be as funny. I guess you wait until someone tells you that you're not allowed to do that and then you decide, I oh, guess, fuck it, we will do <laughs> I guess in a way, yeah, but like yeah. we're being sensible as well because people have, have 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 made a lot of suggestions over mm. the seasons of like, you know, why don't you do a good movie for one season stuff? It's like, well, I don't think that would be funny. Then mm. we're just, mm. then, yeah. then what is it? Yeah. Or people are like, why don't you not watch the same movie over and over again? I'm like, well, well, then what is that? It's yeah, just yeah. one of another million yeah. movie review podcasts yeah. that are out there. Yeah, yeah. There is some strength in the idea that I believe in. Yeah. Um, but I think it's we've fucking run it into the ground after this many seasons. So it. it's still going. What are you doing now with it? What's, uh, what? We're watching Sex and City 1. Yeah. That's that will be ending soon. Yeah. We're about to go to the States to yeah. round off yeah. the season. Yeah. Um, and is that a better film than the second one? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah. yeah. Even despite the fact that I am now <laughs> up to my 43rd, yeah, 43rd watch of it, it's still wow. undeniably a better movie than Six and Six. And do you guys have to sometimes now, I, I, spe- I guess more, do you have to watch the film separately? Yes, a lot, a now, lot now. Which yeah. adds a whole other dimension yeah, yeah, of loneliness yeah. and <laughs> destitute to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah it's bad. existential greyness. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So... What have you done around that? You've done that podcast that's still going. Yeah. And you've done... The attempts um, have been made. Like, yeah. we actually... And I, I still don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this or not, mm. but we made a pilot with YouTube to turn it into a show, mm. um, which they paid for. So we flew over to New York City and lived in an underground abandoned subway station, which mm. we dressed up as a sewer. We lived in there for a week, like slept in there and everything, <laughs> yeah. and watched um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles into the out of the shadows, yeah, yeah, um, like three times a day, and kept reviewing it. And we made a pilot, like mm. the pilot exists. Wow! And then YouTube were like, "Nah, this is, <laughs> this is not for us. This is stupid. <laughs> this, is, this is beyond idiotic." <laughs> There's actually our... And if you're too dumb for YouTube, that's well, a special kind of award, right? In our, de- our defence, we were going to be... I don't know, there was this whole other kind of business thing that was happening at mm. YouTube which fell over, but we were going to be involved. We were basically going to be bad movie ambassadors a little bit mm. for them, I think. Mm. And then the thing that would have triggered that fell over. Mm-mm. So then this project didn't make it. It doesn't sense. sound like there's been too much conscious thought around it, but, no. but you don't really want to be... Pigeonholed as something like a bad movie ambassador, do you? I would, um, I would guess. No, like, no, I don't unless, want to be pigeonholed unless, as unless, anything. Unless it pays really, really well. <laughs> yeah, you know, everyone's got their price. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you want to be able to be fluid to do other things outside of definitely being known for this worst idea podcast. Yeah, I think my stubbornness to refuse to be pigeonholed is the reason why I'm in so much debt. I'm in. Yeah. But I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because you can make money. There's there's yeah. money. There's ways to do that, but. Well, what are they? Oh, fuck, I don't know. I just, I'm assuming. <laughs> I'm assuming I, these I, ways. I need, I need to know, too. Yeah, <laughs> so, we'll do. We're all trying um, to figure it out. So you do some comedy shows on the side. You, well, when I say on the side, you're you, you're still developing and continuing your voice as a, as a comedian. Yeah. Comedy festival shows, you turn up and do comedy. And do stand-up. Do stand-up, and you do what else? Like, you have... Um, I do you get sick of... Um, do you have a... What's the, what am I looking for? Do you get asked a lot to be on other podcasts and feel you have to be? I mean, in a, in a, I love in going a, on other podcasts. In a way, you're a bit of a an ambassador for New Zealand podcasts, I would think. Yeah, but I love I love guesting on people's mm. podcasts. I think it's awesome. Mm. Um, it's just a time thing now, to be honest. Mm. I'm looking after 
a few shows for friends and stuff and that's a little bit time consuming mm. um, and it's just tricky because it doesn't really like bring in money but it does take quite mm, a lot of time mm. um, to look after all these shows but I love doing it so I just want to figure out a way that I can keep that up um, I've the had podcast four, is the perfect medium for you you've got radio background and skills that's why I'm in there right? that's why you're there and yeah. you're a comedian you like talking and I like computers you like going off script yeah. you know, being off script yeah. being in the moment so it's a dream medium that, that you know when I was growing up wasn't there totally you know and uh, it's and, brand and new when I was growing up it wasn't yeah. there well it's, it's, it's old but still brand new that's yeah. right it's like 10 plus years old but really in terms of the explosion of it yeah it's really the last sort of half decade plus isn't it and it's just that lack of barriers thing that has always really attracted me to it that there can be voices that you wouldn't hear anywhere else because it's not a TV mm. station where mm. you have to appeal to 30% of 18 to 35s yeah, at 7 o'clock. Yeah, or a company line. Exactly. Yeah. People were just on there doing some crazy shit because yeah. they can, and yeah. that's really amazing. It goes back to your finding adult swim. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. I, well, I'm, I was, a, I'm a bit of a contrarian just by nature, and I like absurd comedy. Well, everything you were describing about that, the talk show element, it's in your new show. Yeah. You know? It is a bit of an homage uh, to Space Ghost, yeah. what I'm doing this yeah. year. Yeah. I'm doing a you've chat got, show format. You've got Space Couch. Yeah. So the the show I'm doing right now is um, just for a couple of weeks here in New Zealand is Space Couch. And the story of it is that there was a... During the Cold War in the 60s, the Russians launched a couch into space just to fuck with the Americans because they were devastating them so badly yeah. in their technological prowess. And the couch orbited Earth for two years and became sentient from all the radiation it was exposed to. And it was absorbing all these TV signals from Earth <laughs> and fell in love with late-night chat shows. And it vowed to host yeah. a chat show of its own. So then it came down to Earth, and so our show features... The Couch, which mm. is a staunch communist Soviet, <laughs> yeah. voiced, voiced by Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. And I've managed to team up with Disaster Radio slash Eyeliner, mm. Luke Rowell, who's mm. like a guy... Who you're unashamedly a fan of. Massive fan of his work for years yeah. and years and years. Like, genuinely, over a decade, I've loved his stuff. Mm. And I, I hadn't met him until this year right. when we started building the show. And he's your Paul Schaefer. Yeah. And he's fucking fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's so good. funny. He's, and he's, he's so good. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you're not all doing this for just two weeks of comedy festival, surely. You must mm. have designs to do. Yeah, I'm really. Do you know with this? I shouldn't say this out loud because yeah, sure. it's a bad idea. Yeah. But I'm but really interested in Twitch. <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. As a platform, yes. and I want to figure out how to make something, something like this, mm. as a as a show that's mm. online. I've worked in TV, I've done the TV chat show <laughs> thing. It's so limiting yes. in what you can do and how you can present stuff. Well, we're kind of cursed in New Zealand with a few failures in that department, right, too. Um, it's hard. It's yeah. fucking hard and it takes a lot of resources to do it correctly. Yeah. And I think people don't appreciate that. No. No, they just think of the end result. Yeah. That wasn't very good. Exactly. You know, it's like, like well, uh, yeah, no shit, because you tried to make... Um, I don't know how you many know the years. Daily Show with one one hundredth yeah. the budget. Well, I, don't, I wonder how many years it took Mike King to get over Mike King tonight, but I haven't asked him. But you know, even I, Kim Hill's show face yeah. to face, you know, yeah. didn't last very long. Yeah, um, which is a tragedy because she's like an unmatched. Yes. So there's a lot of ways that it can fuck up, mm. and it's very hard to get right. Mm. Um, but if you're out there being goofy and having fun and doing it your way, yeah. then. I don't think TV wants you because you've got to put so much money yes. into it. So what I want to do, ideally, is I'd like to have a weird, fucked little show mm. where my weird comedy friends come on and we do strange, dumb little skits mm. and make weird little video bits and put that online yeah. and find the global audience for that Which kind of humour. will be this year or next year's high school versions of where you were at when you were discovered. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you want to appeal to in a way. Yeah maybe older as well but you know like looking for that sort of thing right absolutely oh there's the dream man like ultimately the best thing in the world would be to make something that you know like me 
but mm. as a 15 year old get into and they go that thing was so weird and cool mm. it makes me want to make some stuff mm. of my own whatever that stuff is mm. I, I like I, I just love making things mm. and I've got to figure out how to get paid for it yeah, I was but, say, is it, this is all a good way to continue working on your debt is all it actually sounds like there's ways, I don't know. There's <laughs> so ways when do you, when do you build the podcast network? That's at the end of the first season of... Uh, yeah, about then is when it starts. I mean, arguably, I still haven't built it particularly well, but <laughs> it's just me trying to help friends out, basically, yeah, make their shows you, and get you, them out there. Yeah, and so you've you've helped usher a, quite a few different shows into the world. Yeah. A few different style of, you know, the more interview-based ones, yeah. the more, you know, like, not... Not just all crazy comedy ones, but then a few yeah, that's of those. true. Well, like the male gaze, for example, yeah. is my mates who are both comedians, Chris and Eli, talking yeah. about queer issues, yeah. um, their own experiences as gay men growing up in New Zealand. Yeah, um, boners of the heart. I've I've always um, thought from the outset, podcast as a medium has been a, a platform that's been saturated by two straight white dudes yeah. talking. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. which is the show that yes. I'm a part of that yes. got it all. But there's Fucking, you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting 10 of those shows in, yeah. on iTunes. Yeah. And so I really wanted to try and get focused a little bit more on women in particular mm. in podcasting. Yeah. So the early one of that was um, Maddie Budd and Kelly Pocky Bar doing a, a podcast called Time of the Month, which was just like a, a, a chat, a mm. nice chat thing. Mm. Maddie's gone on to do... Um, a, a different show with her mate Simone Nathan called Every Stupid Question where they get like a professional woman who's an expert in some field and just ask them all the dumb questions mm. about being mm. an artist or a sexual health nurse or whatever and it's very like it's very funny because they're both so open and loose mm. Mm. Um, and then Bonus of the Heart is probably genuinely like might be my favourite mm. podcast and I just mm. happen to produce it mm. but that's Rose Matafeo and Alice Sneddon mm. and they are just so unguarded yeah, on the microphone I fucking love that yeah. show so much yeah. yeah and it's funny that I mean I, I have a kind of um, a concern doing this podcast I mean I've nearly done this for four years and I have a concern and I do it every week now and I always have a concern like that I want to have you know, women involved mm. in the podcast, and and there, you know, there always are, there are plenty. Uh, but you know, it is. I always sort of say to people, it's very easy to get men in their thirties, forties, fifties, yeah, man, to spend an hour talking about themselves. Absolutely. You know, very, very easy. So yeah. you know, that's that's not a problem. It's about those other voices. Yeah, you know, and uh, often way more interesting. But um, it's but chicken it's about, and egg yeah. a little bit. You got to yeah. put a little bit of effort in so that it becomes normalised, so that it stops mm. being so difficult. Mm. Because I think um, this is definitely changing now. But it used to be the case that, that uh, for women they weren't comfortable because um, mm. what's that saying? You you can't be what you can't see. So like when there's a lack of examples of mm. f- funny women going casually on podcasts, mm. then you go, oh well, maybe they're not supposed to or some stupid thing like that so you know you've got to expend a little bit of energy mm. to normalise those voices mm. in the medium and then it sort of cuts a path for other people to do it Mm-mm. in the future you, you're you in the comedy scene now that's I would say fairly robust in New Zealand yeah do you mean sort of like diverse voices being I involved mean, or I mean that it's a valid option and that and as well like might not be lucrative, but it's yeah. a valid option for people to move into comedy as a side of their income, yeah. more than just a hobby. Way more than ever before. Way more than before, and and I also do mean like there is a you know diversity of voices happening, and uh, certainly female comics in New Zealand. It seems to I me. Mean, Michelle Court was out there on her own. It seemed like, yeah. it seemed like for quite some time, and now yeah. it doesn't seem that way. Well, sort of. It's interesting because, like, she seems that way because she's been going the whole time. But she mm. had contemporaries like Jan Marie, True. Was sort of. Yeah. And Justine Smith is a person mm. who I'm so glad New Zealand has seen how funny she is, and now she's a regular on Seven Days, and she, you know. Um, she tours around the country and she's just people realise how funny she is but she's been doing comedy since mm. you know for, I, I won't call out and do the math um, for, for how old she is but she's fantastic and she has been for so long 
and but, it's that whole thing of normalising sure. that women are actually fucking funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is a thing with comedy, I think, comedy circles all around the world where by virtue of how, how, it, how it operates, you become fans of other comics because you... I mean, who, who watches comedy more than anyone else? Other comics, right? Yeah. So you become friends with these people because you're literally hanging around. Yeah. And you become fans of them because you know what they're trying to do. Yeah. You know what it takes to do it. You yeah. know what they're trying to do. You know what they've... And you're pri- you become privy to what's gone on in their day, what's got them to the dance. But then someone else, who, like, I, I'm not a comedian, I'm not trying to be, uh, and I go and watch comedy and I obviously think someone's not as funny as you do and you know them. Um, there's still a lot of that that happens. A bit of group think you think, within I the think, community? I feel like, um, yeah, I'm just interested to... To, to know what your take on that is as, as part of the group yeah. thing, perhaps. I mean, that's probably true. It's I don't just, and I don't think it's just New Zealand. Sure. You know, I, I, I listen to Mark I, Maron or whatever, and they always go on about Dave Attell being yeah. hilarious. And but I watch I, Dave Attell and I go, he's not funny at all. Sure. But then you hear them say, oh, he's, you know, you've got you've to hear him when he's not on stage. Well, who's going to fucking do that? Well, you, <laughs> you say know? it's not just New Zealand. I yeah. don't think it's just comedy. It's like how you have a musician's musician, you know, yeah, how true. you have an artist's artist. It's mm. that thing where there's certain skill sets that if you're on the inside of the craft, you really appreciate. And maybe the, the general public isn't as attuned to what those are from a mm. deconstruction point of view. But when a comedian sees a comedian who really excels in these things that you know are really hard but mm. might not be very obvious mm. on stage, then you're like, nah, this guy's fucking awesome. And they're like, oh, I don't know if he is. He's fine. It's like, no, that thing's really hard. Mm. This is very skillful work. Mm. So there is that whole thing of it's it's so funny with comedy because, like, you, as a comedian, you can go, like, that's a really skillful mm. craftsperson mm. Doing, doing that thing really well. But that's not what comedy is, you know? Inherently, it's supposed to be a spontaneous... You know, you don't overthink it. It's a... Fart jokes can still be very funny. Yeah, exactly. Dick jokes can still be very funny. They might not be what everyone wants and they might not be super crafted, but they might bust bust a room up at the right time. I I think what you're saying is right and true, but I think it's also in any art form for those people. I'm sort of... Um, being a bit devil's advocate because I, I sort of feel a bit sorry for comedy and comedians because I feel like as I mean I'm, I'm someone who's reviewed a lot of comedy I've reviewed a lot of music okay it's fair to say a lot of people have had issue with things I've written about music over the years but I haven't been challenged on it very often people will people will often go oh well he's the expert you know, whatever. Yeah. He's he's the reviewer. He's the person who was asked to give their opinion. Yeah. But with comedy, everyone feels instantly like they've got an absolute buy-in on what's funny or not. And so, yeah. how do you appeal to? You know, how do you how do you negotiate that? I guess that's part of the thrill of being on stage and trying to make that totally. Make a and you build your own audience and stuff for your taste. But I I also don't think that's wrong. Like I think people can have a sense of ownership over what they feel is funny because. Mm. Comedy is all about that spontaneous feeling. Mm. Comedy, when you actually like boil it down, is just being surprised in the right way. Mm. It's just being caught off guard in the correct way for it to be funny. And so finding out how to manipulate people to do that and having is a, the whole thing. Yeah, having an observation or a response that resonates. Yeah. And so as a result, everyone will have their own version of that, and I th- and and their right to like you know kind of yeah. care about what makes them tick, and that's fine. But you've also you just have to acknowledge that everyone's different, mm. <laughs> and your experiences are different from other people, so your triggers are going to be different. So, what do you um, take from, and how do you feel about comedy reviews? I guess oh, I guess of your own work, uh, particularly because. Yeah, I've got a very fraught <laughs> relationship with... I mean, to be honest, the, the thing that started Worst Idea was me reviewing public restrooms on Guy's TV show, and that was almost as a bit of a fuck you to reviewers. Right. And doing Worst Idea was almost another yeah. small fuck you to reviewers and the concept of mm. reviewing mm. stuff. Um, that being said, I totally understand the necessity and function and importance of reviewers, but you can't help but sort of hate them. As sure, a it's a it's a um it's a mismatched 
situation. Little, it is a little bit. You yeah. hope for a reviewer to help you sell tickets if you really. Oh, that is that's right. One hundred percent what you're hoping for. You're trying to get pull quotes. And yeah, and you open yourself up in the process to anything else that might come. Yeah, which is which is being getting hurt. one star. Yeah, being yeah. really hurt. Yeah, being a borderline abused. Yeah, some. Uncomfortable truth being unearthed. Yeah, that that totally. that, that niggles at your own imposter syndrome. You know, what it, all of that stuff can happen. It can happen to the reviewer now yeah. too, because reviews live online with comments underneath. So there's that too. But yeah, I get, I get, I think particularly with comedy because you're usually doing a season. You know, I go and review a show, a concert, a, a musician. And yeah, they're out of town the next day and somewhere else. Yeah. But you're set up camp for a week and hoping that when a review comes out, it's going to maybe stimulate a few things yeah. for you. It's just <laughs> it one of those. I don't, I don't have a smart answer to it. I no. think it's just one of those things where you. Well, you can either go no reviewers at my show, mm, which mm. increasing numbers of comedians are doing. a lot too. And I fucking respect that. Yeah. Um, or you just have to learn how to. Well, it's getting really take on the useful stuff and let's. It's the getting rest really of stuff. hard to review shows. I mm. think I went to James Acaster last week, and out of respect for what was an amazing show, mm. my review was just a few lines long. I felt an obligation to write something because I was right. given a ticket. Yeah, but I'm not going to fucking spoil the plot of that show. Yeah. I'm not going to try and do his jokes far worse than he he does them. Yeah, or hint at thing. or hint at the reveals, and yeah. I I've always gotten that that's part of the frustration comedians must feel with reviews. Yeah, it's really it's, common. If I go to the Rolling Stones and say that they played Satisfaction, it's not a big spoiler. No, but like I said, <laughs> you know, but if comedy I, is being surprised in the right way. Yeah. So if you read a review which spoils the surprise, like, that's oh, right. Thanks, that's asshole. right. So and I've seen it happen. I don't. I'm possibly been guilty of it, but I've seen it happen where you can tell the reviewer is trying their best to talk up how great the show is and they're unaware that they are spoiling the punchline of a really yeah. good joke. They think they're helping sell. Totally. So there's some good intentions there, but it's... Yeah. And is that being... So is that being... When you say you plotted these couple of things out as a bit of a fuck you to reviewers. Yeah. Have, have, you know, have you got one particular dark story or is no, it just a bunch all. of all of that I stuff? Just, no, not at all. And as I say, like, I do genuinely have a lot of respect for, I've got a very fraught, mm. you know, um, internal you monologue think, about reviewers because I really think it is necessary, but I also hate them. <laughs> well, don't you think artists and reviewers, that fraught dialogue... Yeah. That tension should exist. It should be there, and it should be addressed a bit more. Like, um, it, it, there's no real way for there to be a happy beyond a. You yeah. know, it has to be a case by case. You know, yeah, I guess so. It has to be a case. I don't by want case to over intellectualise it too much as well. <laughs> I just think it's funny. Here's what I think is funny: that someone goes out and spends eighty million dollars and involves two hundred people and nine months of a year to create a film, <laughs> and then a dude rocks up who hasn't eaten that day and his blood sugar's low, <laughs> sees it and goes, "This is fucked." Yeah, it's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but that's yes, yeah, I totally know. Um, On the but, flip side, I also <laughs> totally get yeah. that, especially now. There's so much stuff out there. Mm. And, it, and stuff needs to be critiqued, and, and what, feedback what, is very necessary on what's being put out. You shouldn't you shouldn't be putting art out or whatever, mm, you know, have your mm. product out without an expectation that mm. people are actually going to go, I like it or I don't, and here's why. So I mean, I get it. Yeah, one of the one of the issues there, I think, is you know, it, it shouldn't really matter how many people were involved in making something or how much money went into it. Like that should never be a factor. For for uh, an informed commentary. Yeah, true. But don't but, you see the absurdity? I do. Of oh, that? Abs- absolutely, man. I've lived with it. Yeah. As a person who's gone out to shows on and off for twenty years, I've wondered most nights why the fuck I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, never more than now. Never more so than now. And and I've often thought about that. And you know, and I remember having people come up to me to my face and say why do you even review like angrily why do you even review gigs the person's not going to be here tomorrow and they're not going to read the review and it's like I have no answer to that. <laughs> that's absolutely correct it's I a mean, hyper literal my yeah that's right specific I, I do have an answer to it yeah. in terms of you know creating a 
uh, a date stamped cultural diary of things that happened in the city and being on record about things yeah. as, as as the whole history of journalism. But also through the sweep of an artist's career, maybe that's tracking right. their and progress or right. downfall. That, 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 that it is all around a variety of contexts. Yeah. But um, but the simple answer is yes, you're right. Like I have, you know, I totally understand that. Yeah, but there's just there's a, and again, I don't want to like overthink it, even though I already have. But there is an absurdity there. I think it's so funny mm. that one person going to a movie once could kind of like just mm. undercut all of these thousands of persons' hours. Sure. you know, going into something. It's sure. funny. That's funny. Uh, that it's fu- funny to me. That's funny. That's, that's it deserves to be prodded and mocked. Yeah, yeah. In the same way that you know. Comedians deserve to be proud of mark because they're putting something out there. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we need to cover anything else? I think we've covered I th- quite a lot. I feel like we've ripped through Some quite good, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we're, both, we're, bo- we're both still broke. We haven't yep. made any money as a result of this. And we made some and we blew it. I don't, th- I don't think we're going to. You know, I don't think that was ever the goal, but. Um, it was really great to, to, to meet and, um, you know, I think uh, the world's worst podcast, worst idea podcast is just, uh, I don't know, it was something profound when it arrived and I feel like it, it has to carry on and almost outstay its welcome to really live up to its title, doesn't it? Yeah, I think there is something to that, <laughs> although I think it already has, to you be th- frank. You think? Yeah. So will there be a sequel would you be so bold as to do a sequel podcast that was the best idea of all time? Like no, because that's not funny to me. Mm-hmm. It would it, no. <laughs> <laughs> the second we would wor- do something. The second worst idea of we all would time. Do, we would do something else. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. We can come up with other ideas. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Or you would think after five years it's not so <laughs> yeah, apparent, yeah. but. No, nah, we just make something else. Yeah. This has been a real fun ride, and it might continue. We might change the format slightly, but we'll get on a different path. Mm. We just want to make shit. Yeah.